Hello, welcome to Politics for Teens, and welcome to my comfortable, cozy, amazing studio, aka my closet. I've recorded this to 27th time now. I was just recording it, realized I was not recording it again. So most, and also I've been recording over a lot of months. So hopefully this is the last version. And um, I, my most of my data is like far behind. And some stuff is far behind. But let's get into it. Today's episode is going to be about the drumroll coronavirus. I know everybody is like sick of hearing it. But it is exactly the type of co- topic that my podcast tries to grasp onto. Its episode is probably going to be longer than usual because we have lots of grounds to cover. Um, the political ramification and conse- consequences of the coronavirus is a lot from obvious things like racism and in- income inequality. But there are other issues like gender inequality and classism that's also affected. I know as a teenager, we weren't a whole lot affected by it. And um, I just literally sit in my room and watch TikTok all day, every day, in this endless loop. And I might be going crazy, but I did this epi- do this episode for refuge. So that was the reason why I did it. We weren't a whole lot affected by it, but there were so many communities, so many people who were affected by this virus, you know, good and bad. And um, reason why I wanted to do the episode. So uh, I was... Uh, doubting whether I should give like latest updates and news about it, but it's not what the podcast's about. Now, New York Times has free coronavirus updates. It's free, and I would they like to be really petty and be like, only two articles a month, which is a whole like only like quote unquote credible sources, like all the credible sources and newspaper uh, magazines have this like inaccessibility, uh, um, and they like not free, which I make sense but it also creates this inaccessibility of fake news and i know it's like a whole other episode i could do about and i don't want to go on a tangent on first things i want to tackle is racism that's being caused by because of the virus um, people are being attacked physically and verbally and this kind of hatred and prejudice occurs during these times like this because society needs a scapegoat or someone to blame things on I think, um, I think it comes from not completely accepting people who don't look like you as part of your community or somebody who is just like you. They exclude these people as like foreigners, you know, them versus us. I could speak a lot about it, but um, I know it's been fueled about, uh, fueled by President Trump. And I've observed he's a leader who uses fear to twist people's minds. That's his only only thing he's got it going for him um, but all I will say is that this people are not the enemy the virus is the enemy people are not intentionally out to infect you and you can politely and rationally distance yourself from people what I'm say when I what I meant when I said rational is that in places like New York Chinatown is essentially shut down Chinese food businesses are essentially shutting down because people won't buy food even when their workers and themselves haven't been to China in decades or if they were born here and um, never been to China ever. And uh, these things just show the real state racism in our country and around the world. There is also recent data that African-Americans are disproportionately dying because of the coronavirus, which my mom, who is often intrigued by conspiracy things. Wow, my voice crack. Um, reacted that the government is like targeting African-Americans on purpose. I know, crazy. But there's so much underlying political nuances 
going on behind the data that it might seem like this. But, you know, in truth, the virus does not see color. But things like medical racism, where doctors don't believe or ignore the pain of African-Americans, lack of health care due to the system being pointed against them, or just distrust of authorities or government due to hundreds of years of discrimination and oppression, all accum- accumulates and manifests onto the data. For instance, the Washington Post reports that in Illinois, um, there's a disparity uh, in... But, but the picture... For example, the Washington Post reports that in Chicago, uh, black residents have died at a rate six times that of white residents. Of the city's 118 reported deaths, nearly 70% were black, a share 40 40 points greater than the percentage of African Americans living in Chicago. What that means is that um, there is 30% of people who live in Chicago are black. But 70% of the people who are dying from the coronavirus are also black when, they, they, which, when it should be 30%. So I know um, the numbers are probably way higher right now. This was a few months ago. Um, the article says that because African-Americans have more pre-existing conditions such as lung issues, high blood pressure, and diabetes um, that are also caused by a myriad of social and economic injustice because, you know, one does not get enough primary care if they don't have enough insurance. And this is the, if one doesn't have enough insurance, it's because they don't have a better job and better job is because of, you know, targeted education systems that, you know, um, drive African-American kids out of the system. So that's why the African-American community is being hit the hardest by the coronavirus. Um, The reasons are still unclear, however, but this really illustrates the persisting racial and injustice and issues in our country. Um, There's this one quote. um, It says, this outbreak is exposing the deep structural inequities that make communities push to the margins, more vulnerable to health crisis in good times and in bad. Dorian, uh, Dorian Mason, the director of health equity at the National Women's Law Center, said in a statement, uh, also, quote, these structural inequities in our health care system do not ignore racial and gender disparities, and neither should our response to this pandemic. So it's just saying our health care system is bad, you know, and the coronavirus doesn't target people uh, based on color, um, but the health care system does. And our responses shouldn't, you know, be to help celebrities first and everything. But, um, and on that note, let's go to the next topic, which is income inequality. It's my favorite topic. Um, talk about, you know, eating the rich all the time. But um, it reminded me of the scene in Parasite by uh, Bong Joon-ho. I could do a whole podcast about films and TV shows and K-dramas, but... Um, there's a scene in Parasite where the rich lady um, is in the back of a car where her, um, her chauffeur is like writing. I don't know how if I said the word right, but the driver is um, driving and she's talking on the phone about how much of a blessing the rain yesterday was. It washed away and all the like the dust in the air and we have good air quality. You know, it's a really nice day. And the driver in the front seat is... Um, hearing all this and he remember like he's thinking about what happened yesterday and the rain that happened yesterday washed away his entire house flooded his house the um his toilet was like dirty water was coming out of his toilet 
everything was like destroyed. He had to sleep in a school gym and wear somebody else's clothes and come to work the next day after all that happened. And, you know, it's a metaphor of how, like, you know, water only rises from the top to the bottom and all that um, things. But it th- made me think of that when celebrities talk about how much of a blessing the quarantine is. You know, we get family time. We have time to work on ourselves, to do therapy. Um, but for some families, this means bankruptcy. You know, they can't pay their mortgage or they can laid off and they become homeless. It really is a curse, and um, it is it shows how the system is set up to disadvantage people of low income. Um, it manifests in so many ways during the uh, the first levels of the um, pandemic, uh, like how New York couldn't shut down their school because thousands of kids would go hungry from not getting school lunch. Um, for some kids, the break is like Christmas morning. You know, they don't get to school anymore. Like. Um, but for some kids, it means they're staying in houses with, with no food, um, with abusive parents, um, with no friends or family members, and their only safe haven was their school. And it really pushes the idea of privilege to the center. Um, there was an Indian doctor's post about this, um, and he said, quote, social distancing is a privilege. It means you live in a house large enough to practice it. Hand washing is a privilege too. It means you have access to running water. Hand, sanit- hand sanitizers are a privilege. It means you have money to buy them. Lockdowns are a privilege. It means you can afford to be at home. It means you have a home. Most of ways to water the corona off are accessible only to the affluent. In essence, the disease that was spread by the rich as they flew around the globe will now kill, in- kill millions of the poor. All of us who are practicing social distancing and have imposed a lockdown on ourselves. Um, I lost whatever I was reading. All of us who are practicing social distancing and have imposed a lockdown on ourselves must appreciate how privileged we are. Many Indians won't be able to do any of this. Um, I. It's just so globalized like I, I was thinking about only you know in America and all the homeless people but I didn't even think about the global um, ramifications and implications there was other post <laughs> I feel like this post was just me reading tumblr posts from Instagram that I got off from Instagram but it's okay because I think it needs to be shared uh, oh, th- yeah um, when this is uh, the, the username fairies forum said when this is over, the fear of not being able to find basic sanitary products, food items, the boredom of the boredom of not being able to go to school or university, the loneliness of self-isolation, anxiety over your health and loved ones, the lack of guarantee that the healthcare will be able to protect you. The sad truth is a lot of people live like this, even when there is no major health crisis. For America, um, the virus has really highlighted our socioeconomic problems and our hypercapitalism. Um, but for you know globally, um, oh for example, healthcare as a right has a lot of opposition from a lot of people. But now, as people lose their jobs and lose their healthcare with it, realize the need for healthcare that is not tied to our jobs. There are a lot of people who have mild symptoms so wouldn't go to the doctors because they either don't have insurance or because they can't afford it and they keep on spreading the virus. Um, 
we now realize that grocery store employees, truck drivers, and food service employees, child care cleaners, and other minimum wage workers deserve a living wage, and that they are precious employees. Uh, as a young kid, I looked down on those workers and was taught to study hard to never become like them, you know, from my um, farm culture. But every job is dignified and deserving of good pay, um, unless you're an assassin or a loan shark. I think that's an only uh, concept that Americans are not very familiar with. But there's more things I could talk about, but there's not enough time in this world. Um, gender equality, um, how it ties into um, coronavirus is that quarantine and staying home and eating meals at home is placing a greater burden on women who carry bulk of um, care and domestic work at home, especially in patriarchal families where the father provides. If you're a teenager listening or anybody, please consider helping your mothers and telling your father to help with the chores. It reminded me of that Twitter um, post and it was like, dads be like, go help your mom, bro, go help your wife. (laughs) Um, But um, next is the topic of eco-fascism. Oh, isn't this podcast a wild ride? I've also been recently exposed to the topic and I'm not extensively uneducated. educated about it as I am with, um, as I am with most things I talk about but anything worth doing is worth doing poorly and anything worth knowing is worth knowing poorly um, my friend sent a text post saying that uh, when I was really scared of starting this podcast but there was a really educational post by the user wow interesting 01030104 uh, which could be some sort of morse code or something and I really want to ask them but here's the post um It goes, if you've been following my account for a while, you have probably seen me mention eco-fascism before. But for those of you who haven't, I'm going to address it a bit more in detail, given the increase in narratives lately regarding the virus. And because I think it's partly my responsibility as somebody who is majoring in environmental science to do so. Arguments I've seen lately. Humans are a virus and a pandemic is the Earth's immune system curing itself off of it, off us humans are all evil and the pandemic is our punishment earth would be better off without any humans all of these statements have some things in common whether they're from a religious or non-religious perspective you know however they homogenize humans as if we're all equally responsible for environmental degradation which is patently false um, secondly they are anti-indigenous and erase the fact that indigenous communities have lived sustainably for centuries prior to settler colonialism. They likewise erase the work done and sacrifices made by humans for environmental protection and efforts to repair the damage done by others. They presuppose that humans are separate from nature and that we don't belong as part of the entirety of the Earth's ecosystem, which is also a myth propagated by Western European idealism and settled colonialism. Um, therefore, these arguments are uh, not only scientific, but also reinforce certain I- ideologies which suggest, bullet point, that certain members of the population are expendable. Elders, people who are disabled, people with chronic illnesses, poor people, homeless people, migrants, refugees. It, um, bullet point that despite the fact that BIPOC make up the majority of those who are below the poverty line and are at most risk of dying from infectious diseases, as well as our exposure to environmental racism, that whatever befalls us is still deserved. 
that oppressed people must sacrifice our well-being for the earth by any means necessary, despite the fact that human and environmental welfare aren't mutually exclusive. Um, they're interconnected. Well, what I got, that was a lot. Um, I think I've bombarded you guys enough. Um, what I got from this was that people are not same like all the people in the earth i mean what am i saying wow deep people are not the same people don't equally um harm the environment there is a few percentage of the human population that's harming the environment you know most of it and there are people who are getting the brunt of it you know there's um, burundi is a country that produces almost zero um, tons of carbon emissions, but they are number one food insecurity, which is um, the main sign of climate change. And only 22 companies in the world are responsible for one third of all carbon emissions produced. Um, these are all facts I collected when I was doing a research paper. But um, it is the all the rhetoric that's going around. It's called eco-fascism, and I didn't even know there was a name for it, but. It is um, something to think about. And I think I've bombarded you guys really enough. Um, also, one more thing. Um, hustle culture on Twitter and other social media sites make it seem like this is some extended vacation and you have to make money, attain your skills and, you know, get in shape. But that mentality is a lot of, you know, BS. Just going through every day is okay. You know, for all the teenagers who are out there like me who go to sleep at 3 a.m. and wake up at 2 in the afternoon, nobody is judging you and don't feel guilty about it. These are not normal times. You know, humanity is going through a collective traumatic experience and not everyone has the privilege to turn this into productivity. You know, if you're not draw writing as, as much or drawing as much, that's okay. You're doing a good job by just surviving every day. Um... And there was this post about how um, everybody's having like been having like really, really strange, weird dreams in quarantine that even like scientists are like starting studying it. And, um, you know, it, I think it has to do with collective trauma. And I, don't know, it's, I think it was just interesting. But I recently found out that it is a lot of help to save, have set hours to wake up and go to sleep and um, routines, having routines, because it feels like a normal day-to-day -day life when you have set routines, activities. Um, I was going to insert a few good me uh, news to end the podcast, but it feels too long, and um, my gluteus maximus is too numb from sitting on the floor in my closet. However, our resident Tinder buyer persona Jim Halpert, or more realistically, John Krasinski, has a YouTube segment called Some Good News, and I think everybody knows about it now, and I really enjoyed it, so go check that out instead. Um, I really hope this episode did a well job of highlighting how politics is always at an arm's reach from our lives um, using the virus and really showed that listeners how so many political ideas and problems are always affecting our lives. This was Becca with Politics for Things. Take care, stay healthy, and see you next time. <laughs>